we as a church believe in this idea that St. Patrick practiced of Abbey, where we as a church would exist, not just for ourselves, but to go out and be a blessing to the community. And one of the leaders that I think is the, the first, like to me, hybrid leader, like somebody who kind of lives that way is both James and Katie together. Uh, if you watch the way that they impact their neighborhood, if you get to be there, in fact, if you're in, in their house, their neighborhood flows through the house as you're there. If you watch the way that they give themselves, many of you have watched um, Katie teaching like ESL or stuff like that. And if you watch the way that James fights and cares for all of us, including leading the moderators and, and co-leading with uh, Patrick and Melody, the home group, it's dynamic stuff. So their, their message is very much their life, but it's really, really beautiful when you get a chance to hear what's going on inside them in the midst of it all. Thank you. I reiterate what Patrick said at the end there about taking time for those questions. I feel like I am so far over here on my autonomous life doing what I feel like is the best thing to do and best way to build my life that I'm the furthest thing from a slave to him. That's good. Then he'll help us. That's the thing. Is like He's opening our eyes. He's so good. He's helping us. All right. He also mentioned Charles at the beginning. Charles, I notice, always starts with a joke. So, <laughs> the problem is Charles' jokes are funny. <laughs> this is all I got for you. What do pirates call Noah's boat? The ark. All right, let's move on. Today, I'm going to talk about a few things revolving around the truth that God is good. He's always good. And he offers us fullness of life. This is from John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That they may have fullness of life. That they may have life and have it more abundantly. That they may have life, abundant life however your version says it, but it's a fullness of life. How do we experience this full life and what could be holding us back from receiving more? Um, Chris and Jamie both talked about the dunamis, the power of God, um, in several different aspects of it. And this is the power, potential, or ability that is associated with his Holy Spirit um, it transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Like Patrick was saying, when we become his, it explodes us into that new life. Uh, it allows us to be healed from sickness. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood that touched Jesus' garment, he was like, who touched me? And they're like, we don't know, there's so many people here. He said, who touched me? I felt the dunamis flow from me, the power healed her. It allows us to be set free from spiritual bondage evil spirits, that those things that would steal from us, that would kill us, that would destroy us. And it also allows us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can experience that full life. I want to build more on the third and fourth points of being set free and then receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, I really believe God told me there are a few false foundations that have sort of become ingrained in us where we don't even see them, really. Uh, but first, let's establish what's the true foundation. A true foundation is a person. Who is he? Jesus. Jesus. 
He's the son of God. He is the lamb who was slain so we can enter into relationship with our heavenly father. Um, He is the one who explodes us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's that same power that exploded him out of the grave. He is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is the King of kings. He has been given authority to rule the kingdom of heaven throughout eternity. The Father has so exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's Jesus. He is the true foundation. Paul says in Corinthians that no other foundation can be laid than the one that's already been laid. It's Jesus Christ. All right. So there's a few false ones that have come in. And I know this isn't like, obviously, oh yeah, that's my false foundation that I have and that's my thing. We don't really see it happening. It happens over time where like little things the enemy does is sown in there and we start to believe it a little bit. And so the first one I'm gonna do, we're gonna talk about doubt, then fear and anxiety, and then self-pity. The first one is doubt. Did God really say Did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You will not surely die. So early on, the enemy starts sowing seeds of doubt to what God said. God spared them physically, but spiritually there was death. And then it it was the beginning of physical death as well. Um, The attack the enemy uses here is all about doubting God's goodness. And then us believing that God's withholding something good from us. What about this? If God was good, would he allow this or that to happen? I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, Tragedy. Really sad events that happen in life. Sudden deaths. All kind of stuff that we can't control, we don't see coming. I don't know the answer for that. But I do know when tragedy is great and sadness is great. His presence is great. And he's there and he helps us and he comforts us. So when we choose to believe any other voice besides the Lord's, if we receive any of that doubt, we let it take hold. Then we're moving off of that foundation of Jesus. We're moving on to a different foundation. Is his word true? Yes. Is he trustworthy? Yes, he is. Fear and anxiety. All right, this, this one's tough because I really believe it's a stronghold for so many people. Um, and it's hard for us to separate out sometimes just like, well, of course, you're a little nervous or fearful or anxious about that thing. Uh, my parents used to say a lot, nothing qualifies. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing qualifies. Um, so it's one of the first things the enemy uses because when we realize we're not in control of a situation in any kind of um, situation, it's like, oh no, I'm scared. I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm not in control. It can be anxiety about not knowing if we have enough, like food, money, if we have enough to do the things we wanna do, if we have time for our loved ones. Um, There's fear in not knowing if we're doing a good job, if we're accepted can be anxiety about relationships, like, will I get married? Will I live a life of consequence? Will I stay married? 
will my kids follow Jesus? Is there still something for me to contribute? What's happening in the world we live in? Culture seems crazy. I don't understand it. There's so much darkness. Scared for my safety, scared for my family. What kind of world will our kids and grandkids grow up in? For this, I think it's all connected. We don't believe he's good. We can't, we can't believe he's good. We can't trust that he is so good and then be scared about what's going to happen. Patrick said we're either his or we're not. We either believe what he says or we don't. There's no middle ground. Well, I believe what you say, but I'm still really afraid of this happening. But that's good. It's good there's no middle ground. That means we can go all the way in and we can experience his promises fully. We're so afraid that he's not going to take care of us. We're so afraid that we won't have what we need or what we want. And we won't be able to build out our self-sufficient, autonomous, as Patrick called it, life, where we're comfortable and we're in control. We're so afraid to let go of the imaginary control we have. We're so afraid of taking the gamble of believing his ways are the abundant life. Is he good? Yes, he's good. Will he take care of us? Yes, he will take care of us. Thanks for the water, Bobby. All right, the third one, self-pity. This one is very manipulative and self-focused. Self-pity loves to compare how other people live, what other people have, how God uses other people. You know, we have little kids. Oh no, we can't do what those people do because we have to get them home and time for bed and this and that. Those people don't know how good they have it. Oh, those people have little kids. We have big kids. Big kids have big problems. Big kids really will mess with you. Oh, well, we've got teenagers. These people don't know anything. They got their little kid that just cries but goes to bed at seven. That's the good life. You know what I'm talking about. Our kids are grown. We never get to see them. You're lucky you still have little kids at home. Oh, I don't even have kids. What about that? Oh, that person doesn't have kids. They're so lucky they get to do whatever they want. It's all lies, though. It's all lies. Self-pity. So self-pity sees what's lacking instead of what's there and always measures using the wrong standard. Self-pity doesn't allow us to encourage other people or cheer other people on because we're so stuck on where we are, what we don't have. What a tragedy if we live our lives comparing what we have, our strengths and our gifts and our purpose to what others have. How sad if at each season of life we would miss out on God's goodness and his provision because we're longing to be in another season. Is he good to us? Yes, he is good to us. Will he give us everything we need for life and godliness? Yes, he will. These false foundations, doubt, fear and anxiety, and then self-pity are weak. Yet when they go unchallenged, they lead us to a life of bondage in sin. 
For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Why? Because we're slaves to him, right? Thanks, Patrick. So what do we do when we see one of these things in our lives that's creeping in and we realize that we're living sub where he has us? What can we do? Well, that talks about it. The weapons we have aren't of this world. I'm going to walk us through a few steps that I believe God gives us in order to get ourselves right so that we can receive the fullness of life he has for us. So number one is we repent. We realize our eyes have been opened that, oh, this is what God offers, but this is what I'm receiving. I need more of him. So we say, God, we repent for the ways that we have not followed you, for the ways that we have let the enemy come in and lie to us, and we have believed those lies. We pray that you would open our hearts to receive you. Turn us from our ways that are not your ways. Pray that you would lead us in truth. And then we're told to resist the enemy. And how do we do that? We submit to God. We resist the enemy. So that's the repentance. And then we ask God to get rid of the enemy. We say, God, I don't want anything that's not from you. We submit ourselves to you and we rebuke the enemy and how he would try to come in and steal, kill from us, and destroy us. We are protected because we are yours. Pray that we would receive that. And then we choose to believe what God has said. So instead of those lies that we've been standing on a little bit, that fear, that self-pity, the doubt, we proclaim his goodness, that he is good to us, that he cares for us, that he gives us everything that we need. We don't lack, and we don't have to compare. We don't have to live up to some standard that's not him. He's made us all different, and it's so good. Talk about the body of Christ. We all have different roles. Lord, help us to fulfill our roles. And then, so we proclaim that he's good. And the second part of that is we make our decisions based on that truth, that he's good. Whenever something else comes up or we hear that voice again, we stand and we say, no, Father, I believe you. I believe your word to me. I don't have to accept that, and I won't. I want what you have for me. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to choose to believe your words, that you would help us to believe your promises, that you would help us to receive what you have for us as we've been transferred from a kingdom of darkness into your kingdom of light. I pray that we would receive the words you have for us for not only ourselves, but for our families, those around us, our neighbors, that we wouldn't be caught up in any traps of the enemy, that we would be able to hear you clearly, respond to you, and we would be able to be a part 
of that happening in other people's lives. I pray that we would have opportunities this week to hear you speak, to believe what you are saying, and to receive your fullness of life. In Jesus' name, amen. That was great, huh? One thing that you watch as those two guys get up there is, number one, the power of discipleship. You know, um, there's something about coming into a church, not just to sit here, but to look for Jesus and say, I want to follow you into you continually changing my life and leading me. And those two young guys are two guys who have done that. Um, I've been a witness of it in both of their lives. Those are guys that are pursuing coffee in the morning with Chris or, or with myself or with Curtis or, or Roger, those are guys that are trying to constantly uh, get a hold of that for which God has gotten a hold of them. And so when you see that and you see what's coming out of them, it's like an explosion of all that God has put in them. And it's really, really good. Um, so again, small groups are great. Discipleship is something we believe in strongly as a church and um, I'm appreciative of what God has put in them. Now, as you listen to that, you guys listen to that. There's a lot of truth. You know, Patrick just led us through just biblically what it really, really means that our lives are not our own, which is a huge issue these days. It, it, it gets at us, leads to a lot of the stuff that then James very sensitively kind of again led us through scripture about the ways that the enemy grabs us. So what you really had was a double barrel kind of shotgun hit you right in the heart with everything you're dealing with, you know. Usually you only have one of us up here, or, uh, but you had both. So what I would like to do is ask for those two guys to come up and be available for people to, to, to pray with you. You guys can come up now. But also the elders. And this is what we're going to do is we're going to ask these guys to um, lead a song for us. Um, and we'll all worship together. Then I'll get up and dismiss us. But as you're worshiping, would you just reflect you know, personally as far as what did God touch in you? It could be something small. Uh, for me, I've got like six small things and like seven big things that they touched. But um, while you're worshiping, it could be that you are able to respond to the Lord and able to talk to him and, and God helps you. However, it may be that you would like one of these guys, um, Patrick's coming up too, or one of the elders also to pray with you. And that's exactly why we're all here together. Um, this is going to be a wonderful week. It's going to be a big week. I'm going to, um, at the end, come up and pray for us. Uh, just for the enjoyment of our families and, and, and enjoying being able to be grateful to God. But, but beyond that, how great to go into this week with a clean and clear heart. Man, that, that certainly helps. So these guys are going to lead us, then I'll pray for us, and then we'll dismiss. And I just encourage you if, you, if you'd like to be ministered to, there'll be people to be with you.